welcome to Becoming with Crystal Madung, a podcast where we prioritize character development and personal improvement. This is achieved by having important conversations that center around the topics of intrapersonal and interpersonal relations, mental health, mindset, and wellness. Thank you for tuning in. We hope to make it worth your while. Hey family, welcome back to another episode. I am Crystal Matung. If you are new here, this is Becoming and thank you so much for tuning in. If you are a returning subscriber, hey sir, hi ma'am. Thank you for tuning well, they Thank you for tuning back in. I hope that you guys are good and have been taking good care of yourselves. I hope and trust that you have been taking good care of yourselves because life can get very overwhelming and very tense and chaotic and all over the place so make sure that you make it a point to practice self-care don't let a mental health decline a health scare burnout or anything of sorts force you into taking a break make it a regular thing instill it into your day-to-day that you know what i will always make sure that i check up on myself even if it's just 10 minutes in the morning or at night make sure that you are there for yourself and another thing that i want to uh, emphasize is having a support system um, allow people to be there for you allow people to care for you to give you a helping hand when you need it you don't have to do everything alone yes so if you have not noticed i took an unplanned break from the podcast i think it's been i think it was two if not three weeks and i'm back now i'm a lot better i think i was just not even think i was very overwhelmed and burnt out and mentally and emotionally emotionally exhausted and um, but i am a lot better now and on one of these days i will publish an episode on mental health because it is a conversation that needs to be had conversations pertaining mental health are often had yes but I don't think they are where they should be. There's still a long way to go. A lot more conversations need to circulate. A lot more education needs to take place and destigmatization and all of that. And we all need to play our part to educate people, educate ourselves to be of better help to ourselves and our loved ones, you know. So, yeah, this is me doing my part with this podcast and this episode today. And, um, yeah. Speaking of today's episode, as you can tell by the title, we are going to be talking about self-sabotage in relation to anxiety um, because there is a link. As I said on part one to this episode, which is episode two, make sure that you go give it a listen. Self-sabotage is such a big um, conversation or big topic, right? Uh, There are a lot of things and factors that are interlaced with the subject of self-sabotage hence why i broke it down into three parts the first part is episode two as i said this one is the second part to it and then um next of or the week after next week i will publish the third part to it um but today as i said we are going to be talking about anxiety in relation to self-sabotage uh we'll also be talking about avoidance and procrastination as well as perfectionism um yeah, it's going to be an amazing episode. I hope that it speaks to you and leads you to some realization of sort. Yeah, and once again, thank you so much for tuning in, listening to my podcast. It means the world. This is my safe space where I get to release whatever I need to in the guise of helping you. But in truth, I need this more, if not as much as you do. So yeah, I think um, I think I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm done. This is a long introduction. Hi, I'm back. I love you. Take care of yourselves. I think we're good to go. Let's get into today's episode. All right, guys. So, you know the drill. You know the drill. The thought to ponder. Um, This week's thought to ponder and the next is you are in constant ebb and flow. Constantly unlearning and learning. In constant conflict between who you are and who you want to be. You'll revert to old habits every now and again despite not wanting to. You'll stumble after a perfect streak. But you know what? It is perfectly fine. 
It's okay. It's a part of your growth and how you evolve. So do not beat yourself up for any of it. The last thing you want in all this perfect chaos is being at war with yourself. Oof. Guys, life can get very overwhelming. It it can. Um there are a lot of things that you want to attain. You want to make something of yourself and in the process there is a lot of unlearning that needs to happen. You need to be consistent and yet you keep on failing. You lack discipline and all of that can be very frustrating that why can't I just do what I need to do? But as the thought to ponder says, <laughs> do not be hard on yourself. Please don't. You are human. You are perfect the way you are. And this resistance and back and forth is what you need in order to grow and evolve it's necessary for your growth so don't beat yourself up for anything don't be at war with yourself that's the last thing that you need all right all right so let's get into the gist of today's episode and let's do a quick recap of episode two um where we are just going to define what self-sabotage is again for the purpose of um today's episode so As previously stated in episode 2, self-sabotage refers to behaving in a way that defeats your desires, goals, and values. It is when you physically, mentally, and emotionally destroy yourself, in turn hindering your personal values. So simply, it is getting in your own way. And um, self-sabotage is, as I keep on saying, it's a big, big subject. It's it's a big subject and it can signal to a myriad of things. Thus, the reasons why we self-sabotage differ from person to person as do the manifestations of it in our lives. Um, also, I don't know why, but I feel the need to affirm you with regards to self-sabotage that it is a learning curve, which means that you will stumble. You will. You will stumble here and there, but that doesn't undermine your progress or even your character. It is all an unlearning and learning, as we mentioned in the Thought to Ponder. You will get numerous chances to prove yourself time and time and time again. So if you so happen to sabotage yourself, you'll always be given the chance to redeem yourself. Don't beat yourself up for it. Do not be at war with yourself. Don't fight yourself. What matters truly is an intentional heart that with everything that you do, you remain intentional. But most importantly, you are accountable because without accountability, then all that you're doing doesn't matter. Everything leads down the drain. Um, if you are not accountable, then you will excuse each and every mistake that you make and you won't even be able to identify it as a mistake. You won't be able to identify it as an error. You won't be able to say, you know what, that was a mistake and I need to learn from that. I need to do better. You cons- you will consistently do what you're doing with no progress, none whatsoever. So accountability is very important here. Um, don't be harsh on yourself. Don't beat yourself up for anything, but hold yourself accountable. That is golden. If it's one thing that you take away from today's episode is be accountable in every single thing. Yes? Yes. And the reason why I felt the need to say this is because <laughs> um, I have been ruminating on something and I've been super hard on myself and I needed those words. So I thought, why not just share them with you guys? And if you have not noticed, each and every single episode on this podcast is inspired by personal experience. When I talk about something, it comes from my heart because I need to talk about it. This is therapy. So um, today's episode as well is something that I deal with, something that I struggle with and something that I just feel like I need to talk about in order to, I don't know, kind of accept it because acceptance is big. If you are someone who deals with anxiety, specifically anxiety, because I don't have much knowledge on other mental um, illnesses, but we will correct that. In the future, I do hope to talk about 
depression, PTSD, um, OCD, and bring in professionals to educate us on such topics because I think and I truly believe that they will be of help. But for now, we are going to be honing in on anxiety because it's something that I, I know personally, right? Yes. Also, if you happen to not deal or struggle with anxiety and an anxiety disorder, please make sure that you listen so that you can be of help to a loved one or anyone who needs you to be there for them um, who happen to struggle with such a disorder. But yeah, as I was saying, um, when you are dealing with um, anxiety, acceptance is a big part of everything. You need to accept that this is my reality. Accepting does not mean that, you know what, I give up. I'm never going to be better. It's always going to be like this. I always um, struggle with X, Y, and Z. No, it's not like that. Accepting allows you to not beat yourself up when anything happens, when an anxiety flare-up um, comes up, when an anxiety attack sets in, uh, when you are unable to do certain things. You come to an understanding that the reason why this is happening is because I have anxiety. I have an anxiety disorder. That acceptance is very, very important. And that's what I'm learning. Because, um, okay, but no, let's, let's, con let's continue. We will have more than enough time to get in on my, or rather we'll have more than enough time for me to let you in on my personal experiences. Yes. So on today's episode, right, our point of departure is self-sabotage relating to anxiety. You know, it's important to understand the links between self-sabotage and other phenomena because it can help you come up with more effective ways to eradicate, eradicate it for lack of a better word. Because um, if you know that I self-sabotage because of X, then you're able to come up with effective tools and mechanisms to help you deal with it better, you know, and to prevent you from self-sabotaging. So when it comes to anxiety, self-sabotage serves as a as a temporary fix, right? Which feels very, very rewarding at the moment because you don't have to face the trigger. You don't have to feel the discomfort of the anxiety setting in. And it is because of this reward that one might constantly uh, continue the cycle of sabotage. It is because of this very reason why one might constantly self-sabotage their way out of an anxiety flare-up. So let me let you in a bit on what an anxiety flare-up feels like and looks like so I can effectively explain the role self-sabotage plays in it. Uh, also, allow me the opportunity to fully talk about and freely express what an anxiety disorder looks like, especially for me, because anxiety differs from, a per from, from person to person, but the premise of it all remains the same. All right, let's take it bit by bit. Okay, yeah. Anxiety is a normal emotion. We all feel anxious from time to time, whether it's because of an upcoming interview, a presentation, a test, a date, whatever it is, we do feel anxious occasionally. Um, and different people will feel anxious for various reasons, and it's normal. Nerves are a part of life. However, it becomes a problem when it gets in the way of your everyday basic functioning. This is when it might be characterized as a disorder, right? The difference, right, between an anxiety disorder and normal anxiety is that with normal anxiety, the nervousness, the anxiousness that you feel in relation to the trigger is proportional. It makes sense, right? But with anxiety disorders, um, the worry and the fear and the, and the nervousness is very disproportional. It does not match the trigger. And I will explain that briefly. What is an anxiety disorder? Let's define that first. An anxiety disorder is a mental illness characterized by a constant overwhelming fear, worry, and dread. Constant overwhelming fear, worry, and dread. 
And this disproportionate level of anxiety can get in the way of basic day-to-day activities like going to work, school, attending attending um, gatherings and other social situations or anything that may trigger an anxiety flare-up or bring about the symptoms of anxiety. And as I said, this anxiety is more often than not disproportional to the perceived threat. Let me make an example. Let's say we are at a restaurant and we are having dinner. Um, I went to that restaurant with maybe let's say my mom or my sister or my best friend and I'm not very nervous about it because I'm familiar with the person. It's nice. I'm very excited to go and then we sit down. I look very beautiful. Listen, I'm very confident in myself. We sit down and then we look at the menu. I start getting nervous. Why am I nervous? Because I'm going to have to tell the waiter or the waitress what I want. Please think about that for a minute. Why would that make you nervous? Okay, maybe it might make you nervous, like a bit like nervous here and there, like tingly, but not to a point where you feel a stomach ache, right? But fine, you are, like your heart is starting to race now. The heartbeat is starting to race. (laughs) Now the waitress comes or the waiter comes. (laughs) Guys, if you can see me right now, I'm grabbing on my blanket because I can visually see that scenario playing out. I can physically feel how I feel in that situation. Okay, okay. So now (laughs) the waiter or the waitress is here. Guys, I'm so nervous. I don't know what to do with myself right now. I cannot breathe. My heart is pounding in my chest or yeah, inside my chest, right? I think that's the correct preposition, inside my chest. Um, my tongue is numb. So what happens is my tongue gets numb when I'm very nervous and I have to speak. My tongue, the tip of my tongue gets very numb. It would get numb when I was still in high school and I was assigned to present a speech or anything like that. I would kill it, but I'd be very nervous and the tip of my tongue would be numb. And that would also happen when I'm trying to order something. Or maybe when I'm at a shop and I want to buy something, I get very nervous and I just want it to get over and done with. That's how it feels. Like the nervousness, the anxiety is very disproportional to the perceived threat. How can you not breathe? Make it make sense. Make it make logical sense. That's what anxiety is. It is illogical fear. And you are aware. Oh my God. This is when it gets very challenging that you are very much aware that your anxiety or your fear or worry is hyper exaggerated. You know that it's very much irrational, but you can't control it. Yes. That's the second characteristic of an anxiety disorder that it's very difficult to control. I was talking with my friend today, um, earlier today, we were just conversating about our personal experiences with anxiety and we were talking about the helplessness that you feel when you are amid an anxiety flare-up or an anxiety attack. You just don't know what to do. And what makes it worse, especially if you're around maybe a group of people, be it family, your friends, classmates, or whatever, is that they are not educated enough to help you um, with whatever it is that you're going through, be it an anxiety flare-up or an, or an attack. They are not educated to help you. And this is why it's very important that we have such conversations so that people can learn what it feels like and they can empathize and sympathize and be compassionate towards you. Because um, you cannot be compassionate towards something that you don't understand. So if you are able to do your research and um, get an inside scoop on what it feels like, you're able to be there for them, you know, 
at a level, at an emotional level that they need. So you're very helpless, very, very helpless. And um, I also want to explain what an anxiety attack is. It differs from a panic attack. Um, an anxiety attack includes, among other things, impending doom or dread, uh, shortness of breath, chest pain, or a rapid fluttering or pounding heart. Mm-hmm. With panic attacks, um, I read on Google, I've never had a panic attack. Um, okay, I, I've had once. But it differs from an anxiety attack. A panic attack is very much onset. An anxiety attack um, progresses gradually and a panic attack is it's onset and it feels like you physically like you literally cannot breathe with an anxiety attack you have a shortness of breath a panic attack you literally feel like you cannot breathe and then you start fearing that you are going to die because now i can't breathe so that is the distinction between anxiety between an anxiety attack and a panic attack briefly you know and an anxiety attack can last for minutes or days yes um i remember asking my friend um how long does an anxiety attack last how long does your anxiety attack last because mine was going on for way longer than i've ever experienced and that's just the realities of it and what makes it even harder is the helplessness that you feel towards yourself. How can I help myself if I can't even control it? It's really hard to control. Mm, 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 mm. Um, I know I talked about acceptance. Accepting that you have anxiety. I'm still yet to accept the fact that I deal with anxiety. At the moment, I truly, truly detest, hate, and abhor it. I hate it. I hate that I have to struggle like this. I hate that experiences that should bring you joy bring me dread. I hate that. I hate that it's difficult for me to do mundane things that people are able to do without even a second thought. I hate that I cannot go to church without panicking first. I hate that I cannot go to the mall without a clutch, like maybe my sister or my mom or anyone. I hate that I can't take a walk alone. I hate that I'm very much scared and nervous, very nervous, overwhelmingly nervous um, to meet someone new. I hate that phone calls bring me to my knees. I hate that. I hate it. I'm still here to accept it, but right now, I don't like it at all. And that's just the realities of it. And now, it's it. what makes it even harder is that you then have people around you that don't understand what you're going through. Oh, okay. Let me just breathe in and out before I crumble. okay so the biggest challenges about living with anxiety um as i said it differs from people to from people to people from person to person because anxiety is very broad and symptoms do differ and experiences do differ per individual this is just me um talking about my experiences in the hopes that someone else might relate and in the hopes of Um, giving you guys an inside view of how it feels like to live with an anxiety disorder right so one of the biggest challenges is that it's painfully uncomfortable it's very uncomfortable and very frustrating and very hard because you cannot control it it's hard to control it Um, i'm aware that i shouldn't be panicking as much as i should am i um i am aware that it's just a phone call crystal you just take the phone you answer it you say hello and just follow the next person's lead or if it's an appointment you just say hi you greet them and then you state whatever it is that you need to say that's that i'm aware of that i'm aware 
but still, it's like the anxiety has a mind of its own. I can't pull myself out of it. No matter how many times I repeat it in my head that, listen, it's not that difficult. You shouldn't be nervous. Trust, as that phone rings, I will stop in my tracks. My heart will beat very fast and I will just feel dread drenching me. <sighs> that's like that's one of the biggest challenges that it's very uncomfortable very hard and it's very difficult the second one um, the second challenge is it makes trivial things hard um, why am I doing this I want you to fully understand what it feels like to live with it to live with anxiety so that you will understand why you then sabotage yourself out of it you know you self-sabotage your way out of it you know Yes, and if you're listening to this again and you do not struggle with anxiety, this is your, this is Anxiety 101, your first class to understanding anxiety <laughs> and learning to navigate your loved one or whoever who might need your help, you know, when it comes to anxiety. So the second challenge is it makes trivial things hard, like I said, making a phone call going to meet a friend because with me um even when it's someone that i know it's very oh oh my goodness like it's so hard it really is hard like it like i panic i can't even breathe and it's like but chris almost you've seen this person like multiple times or you go to church with this person. Why is it so difficult? You know them. Why what, Why is it so difficult for you to just conversate with them? Sit with them? Spend time with them? Why is it so hard? I do not know. Yes, I don't know. I do not know. I don't know why. And that's one of the other challenges that you are nervous, not even nervous. I feel like the word nervous waters it down. You are very anxious, overwhelmingly anxious, but you don't know why. You can't figure out why you are nervous. You are aware that this situation is a trigger, but most, most, most of the time, <laughs> You can't figure out why it's a trigger to begin with. Yes. Mm. Anxiety is very difficult to understand. You don't understand why I'm triggered by this. But it is very much triggering you. You are very nervous. You can't even breathe. The next challenge is it's hard to explain. Very hard to explain. Yo, it's very hard to explain. And I think the reason why that's the case is because you yourself do not even know why this is making you anxious to begin with. So imagine having to explain it to another person. It's very hard. Um, but you can try to explain how you are feeling. You don't have to explain to the person why it's making you anxious if you don't know why. Um, but just try to make them understand why or rather how, what you are feeling yes what you're feeling and that alone is very very hard and this episode is me trying to explain what it feels like to live with anxiety and i hope i'm doing a good job you know i hope i'm doing a good job and another challenge this one is the biggest one for me and it leads to a whole bunch of other things. And it's that it's very isolating. Especially my type of anxiety, social anxiety, it's very isolating. That leads to loneliness, hectic loneliness. And that loneliness needs, leads to sadness. That's one of the challenges. One of my biggest challenges is that it's isolating. And this isolation can then create strain in relationships that's the other challenge is the strain in the wedge between relationships because 
you are act, you are going most definitely going to act in a way that the next person doesn't quite understand. They don't understand where you're coming from, why you are do, why you're acting the way that you are doing. What? <laughs> they do not understand why you are acting the way that you are acting. Um, cause, uh, with anxiety, if we feel like it's very overwhelming and it's slowly becoming unbearable, do you know what we do? We don't talk about it. We don't tell our friends about it. We don't tell our partners about it. We don't tell our friends about it. We retreat. We retreat. And then we just push everyone away. Self-sabotage number one. It's self-sabotaging. You are sabotaging yourself. Because you are going to drown in that anxiety alone. Because you're pushing everyone else away, right? Number two, you are not giving them, you are not giving them the opportunity to be there for you. You're not giving them the opportunity to see you and you're not giving them the opportunity to understand what it feels like, you know? So they will never understand. They will never, um, be there for you in the way that you need them to because you don't give them the opportunity to do so. And that's sabotage. Because you will end up alone and you don't want that. Because when you are alone, it, it will drown you. It will. Trust me, it will. But at the moment, you're not aware of that. You're not aware that you're sabotaging yourself. And that's one thing about about self-sabotage, which I mentioned in the first part, which is episode two. That it often occurs unconsciously. You are unaware that you are sabotaging yourself. <laughs> and amidst that sabotage you will come up with sound sound justifications as to why you are acting the way that you are acting why you are behaving the way that you are behaving and one of the reasons would be oh no i just need to be alone i'm pushing them away because i need to be alone i'm pushing them away because they don't understand i'm pushing away i'm pushing them away because i don't want to burden them i am pushing them away because I I just don't think that they need me right now to worry them, to as I said, burden them, you know? And hey, as you as you say those words, as you are justifying your behavior, you are listen, you are believing each and every word because it is true in your mind. It's true. In your head, it's true. And that's why self-sabotage is so dangerous. It's that it hides in the, in the guise of sound judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in episode two, I also mentioned that Dr. Judy Ho says self-sabotage is a mechanism we use to protect ourselves. Mm. It occurs when the desire to reduce threat exceeds the drive to reach goals. As I'm pushing you guys away, as I'm retreating, it's me trying to keep myself safe. Because if I burden you and you reject me, that's hard. That's risk. That's, that's risky. That's a risk. Being vulnerable, it's risky. Because what if you reject me? So then I will sabotage myself unknowingly so by pushing you away, which in my head is keeping me safe. You understand? Like, it's very intricate. It's very complicated. And you need to be hyper-aware, self-aware to notice self-sabotage. And that's why I advocate for therapy. And it's big coming from a girl who is literally postponing making an appointment. And it's not because I don't want to. It's because I'm scared. But honestly, I'm scared to make the phone call. Because I'm scared of phone calls. Because um, I took my mom into <laughs> setting the appointment for me. And <laughs> um, the lady said, no, she has to call in herself. Ooh, guys, my soul, it left my body when my mom said that. And it's been three weeks now. But really and truly, I need to call them. I will call them. 
and you will see. I'll let you guys know. On the podcast Instagram, I will write, I called them, and only you guys will understand what I mean. <laughs> um, yes, so I'll call them. I promise you guys. We need to be better. We need to take care of our mental health and just be prompt with our health, you know. It's important. Okay, so now let's discuss the components of anxiety. And then after that, I'll then talk about how then the self-sabotage sits in. Okay, so the first one is cognition. This is where you perceive a certain situation as a threat and you start thinking about the risks you are vulnerable to and the consequences thereafter. Um, so, for example, um, the, the, the cognition element of the anxiety is going to be, oh, I'm going to church alone tomorrow. Uh, my sister's not going to be there with me. So I'm going to have to handle the entire situation alone. I'm not going to have anyone to lean on. So the threat is literally on me. You're just going to look at me. You know, you're going to constantly... You, oh my God, I can't speak. This is where, as I said, you start thinking about the risk and the consequences and how you are going to experience all of that. And then the second one, the second component is the autom autonomic, wow, autonomic arousal. This is when your autonomic nervous system responds in reaction to your cognition and causes the physical symptoms of the anxiety to flare up. Right? So now as I'm thinking about the fact that I have to go to church alone and the, the, the entire setting of it, this is when then my heart starts pounding. My breath quickens. My legs for weak. I need to sit down. I can't breathe. I'm very much anxious. I don't want this to happen. I want it to stop. I don't want to feel anxious anymore. I need it to stop right now. And then now the third component is the behavioral response. This is when then now you decide how to react. It's either you face the trigger or you avoid it. Now this is the deciding factor, the, the behavioral response is the deciding factor as to are you going to self-sabotage or not. So now my hands are clammy. My hands are not, are barely clammy. When I'm nervous, when I'm having an anxiety flare-up or an anxiety attack, I don't get sweaty. <laughs> I don't. I'm not a sweaty person in general, so I don't get sweaty. But now my breath quickens and I just want it to stop. And that's why, and that is then when I cancel mm. that's when then I say no I'm not going to go to church that is when then I say no I'm not going to pick up that phone that is when then I say I'm not going to meet this person I'm avoiding it and this is sabotaging me mm. now we are getting into the gist of it all the self-sabotage why did I do that how does it hinder me why is avoiding it sabotaging me I'm helping myself, aren't I? I'm saving myself, aren't I? No, love. You are sabotaging yourself. The avoidance is self-sabotage. Because, listen, anxiety is debilitating. It's crippling and it's suffocating. You are constantly coming up for air, yet you can't seem to inhale enough. And then there's... A frustration element to it that emerges when the realization that your anxiety isn't accounted for and is irrational, yet you can't seem to stop. You start being angry towards yourself. You start being um, harsh and hard towards yourself because it's like, <laughs> oh my God, listen. With anxiety, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of factors to it. Um, little things lead to other little things that lead to other little things, right? So in this situation where you just want to escape, you just want to, you want this anxiety flare up to stop, you start becoming frustrated because why am I being so anxious about something that is so little? Then you, like, um, 
beliefs and thoughts about yourself start resurfacing that I'm not normal. I'll never be normal. Why can't I be like anyone else? Um, I'm broken. I am incapable. Um, I can't do this. I'm very awkward. I'm weak. You know, you start saying these words and piercing your soul with these words because of the frustration. And then this is why then acceptance is important. We need to circle back then to acceptance of self that I am an amazing person. I can do X, Y, and Z. I am therefore my siblings. I'm therefore my loved ones. I'm a good singer. If you are a good singer, I have an amazing podcast. Yes, I do have an amazing podcast. I'm very smart. Um, there are things that I still love doing and I'm very good at. Anxiety just so happens to be part of everything else. I am not anxiety. Anxiety isn't me. It does not occupy a half of my being, half of my or the entirety of my existence, of my identity. No, it doesn't. It just so happens to, to occupy 2% of what makes me me. So I need to understand that. We all need to understand that anxiety does not make a person. When someone like deals with an anxiety disorder, they're not broken. They are not. They are not incapable. They're not. They are amazing. They are who they are. <laughs> it's just that they so happen to deal with anxiety among everything else. So if you are listening to this and you have anxiety, understand that you deal with it. It is not a part of you or rather it is not you you just so happen to deal with it and accept that it is there so when you start feeling anxious understand that oh it's my anxiety again it's my anxiety appointment again it's that time of the day you know um and let's just sit and wait for the storm to pass calm down and continue with my life you don't have to use harsh words you don't have to beat yourself up you don't have to fight yourself with unnecessary words but because you haven't accepted that you have anxiety um because you haven't yeah you haven't come to terms with the fact that anxiety is a part of your life you will be frustrated and thus hurt yourself with words See how important acceptance is? We need to accept. I need to accept that anxiety is anxiety and it does not take anything away from me. Although it does. <laughs> Although it does take away a half of my life. But when it comes to my worth and my essence as a human being, it does not make me any less of an individual. And it doesn't make you any less of an individual. And if you are listening to this and you have a loved one who deals with anxiety or any mental illness, that illness, that mental illness does not make them any less than. Do you hear me? You don't need to pity them. You just need to be there for them and support them. Um, but I will explain how you can be there for a loved one who struggles with anxiety as towards the end of the episode we almost done though <laughs> okay all right so let's circle back to anxiety right and the avoidance and why we avoid it uh it's suffocating as i said and then there's the frustration in the mix and when you are within the anxiety flare-up or, or or attack right you are suffocating yes and it's a nightmare and the more frequently you experience it it makes you dread it even more um because usually the more you experience something you get used to it it is not the case with anxiety you can never get used to anxiety never or at least for me <laughs> 
I don't think I will ever. It's been four years. Wow, saying it out loud. Girl, it's been four years and you haven't seen a therapist? Crystal, uh-uh, sissy, no, I'm calling you out right now. How could you do that? Four years. Wow, I'm strong. <laughs> Unnecessarily strong. I didn't have to be the strong. Um, yeah, but it's been four years and you think that by now I would have accepted that I have anxiety and I would have come to some sort of understanding with my anxiety. But I don't. I don't. Every single time I experience an anxiety flare-up or an attack, it feels like it's the first time. It feels like I'm going through everything for the first time. And I dread it. I dread it. Oh, guys, I'm at a point where I hate anxiety, as I said. I hate it. I hate that I have it. But I need to work through that and come to a point of acceptance, compassion, and understanding. And I empathize with anyone with, who, with anyone who struggles with it. If you deal with anxiety, I'm giving you a virtual big bear hug right now because you don't have to, you don't deserve to go through that. It's really hard, guys. I wish I could, I don't know, take it away. Yes. I don't wish to hug. Okay, yeah, I do wish to hug you. But more than anything else, I just wish I could take it away. I wish I could take it away. But if you are a person of faith and you believe in God and you're a Christian, believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, then you know that you have a comforter in him. You have a support system in him. He will always be there to wipe away your tears, to console you, um, God is always there for us. I'm going to get emotional right now. <laughs> but honestly, God is always there for you. Um, but be careful not to spiritual bypass. Spiritual bypass is when you use your belief system. In this case, um, God and Jesus. And, you know, yes, <laughs> when you use God as an excuse to avoid facing it you know you're just facing it being the anxiety right you just shove it aside and be like no um i, sh I should not be anxious because philippians says philippians 4 says you know and then you just brush it over and you don't deal with it that is the wrong way to go about it go through it but know that god is holding your hand and you're not alone really and honestly you are not alone crystal you are not alone and um yeah so let's go back to the avoidance right um with how suffocating and overwhelming anxiety is i never want to find my listen guys when i say never i know it's an absolute it's an absolute term but i mean it i'm not just saying it for emphasis but i truly literally mean it i never n e v e r never want to find myself in a situation where i'm feeling overwhelmingly anxious Woo, huh? mm -mm. i no, listen i don't want that i hate how it feels i hate how it feels thus any trigger is avoided so i walked you step by step i explained what anxiety is i explained how it feels like um i let you in on my personal anxiety and how it feels like from day to day i gave you practical examples realistic real life examples that i go through you understand what it feels like for anyone who deals with anxiety right do you blame us for avoiding it no i don't blame myself <laughs> i don't blame myself and i don't blame anyone for avoiding any triggers i don't i understand and i empathize with myself and you but we need to hold ourselves accountable because we are self-sabotaging we are sabotaging our healing and we are sabotaging our our progress 
we are. Because yes, and as much as yes, it's it's understandable, it's justifiable, but sabotage is sabotage, and there's no good that's ever gonna come from it. You might feel safe, yes, but you are worsening your anxiety. You need to learn to face your triggers. You need to practice. Um, there is what in therapy. There's what we call cognitive behavioral therapy. And I'm sure when you this, if you visit a psychologist, you will um, be guided through cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's hard because you need to do it yourself. One thing that you need to understand with therapy, seeing a psychologist, is that it is not a quick fix. Um, <laughs> you are going to have to do the job. You are going to have to do the work. This avoidance is not going to work you will have to face it. But the reason why we avoid it so much, the reason why we self-sabotage so much is self-sabotage. <laughs> the reason why we do that is because it's hard to bear it. It's hard. But I just, no matter how hard this anxiety is hard to bear, I want you to drill this into your head. That even though you are self-sabotaging, even though you avoid your triggers, at least you know this. This avoidance is self-sabotaging. It feels safe, yes, momentarily. Yes, it relieves you momentarily, if anything at all. Be because sometimes it doesn't. But it's only temporary. Everything will come back. It will come back. In whatever shape or form, it will come back. Either um, in the shape of rumination, where you're constantly thinking about the avoidance. Where you're like, but why didn't I pick up that phone call? I should have. Um, it's not that hard. Um, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so dumb. I'm so stupid. I'm so awkward. I could have just went there and said, hi. Why didn't I? Um, why was I speaking like that? Why was I standing like that? Um, why can't I just get out of bed? It's not that hard. You know, I should have done that. That's rumination. When you play over and over again, the that specific moment or, yeah, that moment where you avoided the trigger, where you constantly, where you consistently play it over and over in your head. You ruminate. It's rumination. And it's very painful. It's painful. It's, 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 very painful and it also comes back in the form of self-criticism and i think rumination is a form of self-criticism where then you start bringing it back to the present you're no longer in the past now but now you are here that you know what it's fine i will never be enough i will never make friends i'll always be lonely um that's how i am but why can't i just be like anyone else um i'm so this i'm so that i'm so this i'm so this i'm so that i'm so that it comes back. It will come back. And that's why it's sabotaging you. It's pushing you 10 steps back. And usually we know this. If you've had anxiety for years, you know this. You know that avoiding it is only going to come back and bite you in the butt. You know this. But we do not care. We don't. Because if you struggle with anxiety, you know that you would give anything to feel relief, even for a brief moment. And avoidance serves you that. It gives you that relief. It gives you that momentary relief. And you don't care if it lasts three seconds, if anything at all. You just want to breathe for a moment. And you're aware that there are going to be consequences thereafter, but you don't care. You just want to breathe. Oh my god, I feel so sad right now. Oh my god, I feel so sad. I really do feel so sad. If you struggle with anxiety, please, I'm giving you a virtual hug right now because, like, literally anything, or rather, the only thing that we want is to be normal. Just, just, just for once in our lifetime, we want to experience life and the mundane bliss of life without feeling anxious i just want to feel 
normal and experience normal things at a normal level in a normal way, without ruminating, without overthinking, without feeling less than, without feeling self-conscious. That's all that we want, and avoidance gives us that for a moment. It's evil like that <laughs> because it gives you what you want with everything in you, and then it takes it back, and then you are back to your anxiety-ridden or driven life. That's 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 why I say avoidance is self-sabotage, and that's the link between anxiety and sabotage. It's is that even if the self-sabotage is conscious, you will do it knowingly. You will do it because of what you desire the most, and that is to live life peacefully, to just experience peace and um. Normalcy, just for a brief moment, and self-sabotage provides you with that momentarily, though. And the best way to get better at handling your anxiety is facing your triggers. There's no other way. It's facing your triggers, so avoiding them it sabotages you, and it pushes you ten steps back, as I said. And in this case, you are sabotaging your future progress, and sabotaging your healing for momentary relief. And the sad part is, you are aware of that, but your needs far exceeds that knowing. Mm. I don't wish anxiety on anyone. I really don't. Honestly and truly, I don't. So, how does this avoidance look like? Right, it can look like、um, procrastinating.、Um, procrastination, even if you don't have anxiety, right? It is self sabotage. <laughs> It's self sabotage. You sabotaging yourself every time you procrastinate. You are sabotaging yourself. You sabotaging your progress, right? So with procrastination,、um, this occurs when one comes up with an excuse for a delay. And as I've said, I'm going to say it again. With self sabotage, listen, that excuse sounds. It's so concrete. It's a sound excuse. It doesn't even feel like an excuse. It feels like the truth. It feels like. It is. It is that. It's the reality of it all. But no, it's just an excuse. <laughs>、um, for example, let's say you know that、um, tomorrow you need to wake up early for an interview, but you stay up all night doing Lord knows what, and then comes six a.m. You're unable to wake up. You're sabotaging yourself. You know that you need to submit an assignment、um, on the third. Yet you haven't started. You haven't done your research. Even you haven't been studying, and you decide to start the day before. You're sabotaging yourself. Another way this avoidance looks like is through perfectionism, setting unrealistic standards. Um, and that's my middle name. Actually, it's not my middle name because I'm way better than I was before with my perfectionism.、Um, listen, I'm so proud of myself. If there's one thing, my anxiety is still very much intact, <laughs> but my perfectionism, I'm a lot better, and I deserve a round of applause for that. Thank you.、Uh, but with perfectionism, it's when you just set unrealistic standards and you keep on working towards them. Till you run out, till your battery runs out, and you can no longer push anymore. You can no longer do anything anymore, and you just don't want to do it at all. And what do you have? Zero. Because even the work that you were working on, you can't put it out because it's not at the standard that you want it to be. So you literally wasted your energy for nothing. That's perfectionism.
um, that I'm so nervous to go to church. Um, already I'm anxious to go to church, right? Um, so now what I expect for myself is to not look like I'm having an anxiety attack. Um, I want my speech to be perfect. I want my entrance to be perfect. When someone greets me, I want to greet them perfectly. I want to have the perfect conversation. I don't want there to be awkward silences. I don't want to make mistakes. That's my reality. That's the same reality with phone calls. I just want them to be perfect. I don't want there to be some disturbances where it's like, hello, uh, 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 I can't hear you. Hey, listen, I will hang up. I will hang up if I even took that call to begin with. But that's unrealistic, man. Like, you can't expect yourself to be perfect. You're sabotaging yourself. Because once you realize that you can't reach that perfection, what do you do? You beat yourself up. Poking and piercing yourself with words. But this is very long. What? 57 minutes? An hour? I think it's time to consolidate today's episode. Um, it was very liberating talking about anxiety today. Um, but I hope now you understand why you avoid your triggers and how that avoidance is literally sabotaging you. Because instead of facing those triggers and analyzing how you react and why you react and analyzing the thoughts that are racing through your mind and storing them up as data for future references uh, to extrapolate from that data in the future and ensure that you handle your triggers better it helps it it it, it helps you minimize your anxiety it it it, it helps you deal with your anxiety a lot better it helps you face your triggers with confidence because you've done it multiple times before but when you avoid it you're only furthering the anxiety and going a hundred steps back and don't do it it's hard i know but don't do it be prompt with your anxiety understand and accept that you have anxiety understand what it looks like for you and what it means um, in your life and how it shows up and just accept that it is a part of your life um, and be prompt with it with facing it so that you can become better and I know it's, it's going to be very hard to face your anxiety um, it's going to be hard to understand it's going to be hard to be compassionate when you've been so hard on yourself for years and years and years um, but if you really want to make progress, just be intentional, have an intentional heart and be accountable, account for yourself. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I've said enough. I've said enough. If you struggle with anxiety, I love you. You are a phenomenal person. You are amazing. You're capable. I am sure of you. If you're not sure of yourself, I'm sure and certain of you. And your anxiety doesn't define you. It might minimize you. It might cut your legs here and there. But you are still worthy of everything. You're not less of a person. Your life might not be like one who doesn't suffer or deal with anxiety it looks totally different yes and sometimes you wish you were there but you're not and um, you are just as worthy as they are I am I feel like I have a lot more to say but my time is, is over now listen we need to wrap it up um guys thank you so much for listening um, that was just my message to you guys. If you struggle with anxiety, as I said, you heard my lovely words that you are worthy and you are not less of a person because you struggle with anxiety. And if you have anyone in your life, or rather if you don't 
deal with anxiety yet you have someone who struggles with it in your life talk to them about it ask them meet them halfway because listen they are having it hard and they are beating themselves up for it already and the fact that they cannot come to you with it is eating them alive so meet them halfway you can start the conversation um what i long to hear is <laughs> um how does it feel to experience anxiety make me understand how can i help you how can i show up for you do that for them and they might not open up on the first attempt on the second attempt but don't stop trying um but then again also do not neglect yourself if you feel like it's too much take time to recuperate care for yourself um don't take their burdens <laughs> um just be a support system to them so yes um it is a very vulnerable episode today but i hope it helped i hope it helped and yeah that is it from me today thank you so much for listening i hope that today's episode um was educational and eye opening and it as i said in the beginning in the introduction that it led you to some realization of sorts and that you enjoyed it so yes thank you so much for tuning in i cannot wait to hear your feedback what you guys thought about the episode um Mm. It was an episode, wasn't it? <laughs> But yeah, please don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast. Thank you once again. Till next time. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.